Well, we, um, we are now part of those war stories, the Temple family. We went uh, away to Florida last week, and we got sick. I know. Yeah, go ahead. Give the side. Come on. Feel my pain. This was supposed to be n- not the case, but anyways. And so I'm back. I'm a little under the weather, so hopefully uh, God's grace will uh, abound, and I'll be able to uh, communicate clear uh, to you the Word of God. Um, I'm excited to be back, though. I'm really excited to be back, <laughs> given that I was sick. But, uh, you know, you know, vacation wasn't that good when your son, you know, is like, I want to go home, Dad. <laughs> You're like, come on, man. <laughs> we're, we were, went to Disneyland and, I mean, 90 degree weather just beating down on us. The poor Temple family, you know, just strolling through <laughs> Disneyland. It, it was a hot mess, man. But I'm back. Um, and I'm happy to be back. Thank you, David. Oh, look at, you know, these, these people from Slovenia, they know how to do it. <laughs> Anyways, well, um, just to clarify a little bit about the video, um, with the new spot, we are hoping to move in there as of August. Um, some of you have been around here for any length of time. You know that the summers tend to be a little bit, you know, less active. Um, people go away on vacation, people go back home, and they're with their parents, students, and such, and things kind of dial down. So what we're trying to do is um, use May 7th. It is true that we've been kicked out of here <laughs> for May 7th by the hotel. Um, they need it for a wedding. And we're going to just kind of give uh, the new spot a test drive. You know, um, We're looking to hear from you guys. Um, there's a lot of luxuries that we get here at the hotel, one being parking. It's pretty cool, um, the options that we have. Um, we have parking at the new space, but it's not as cool, okay? How many people drive their car to church on Sunday? Okay, so there's a good amount of you. Um, we want to hear from you uh, specifically. Um, the new location is not that far from here, and there is open street parking on Sundays. You can park and not be ticketed and not have to pay on Sundays, and so there are options. Um, but we're hoping to get your response um, after May 7th to just see how you felt about the new spot, particularly, um, particularly the parking. Other than that, the spot is legit. It is epically cool. Is epically a word? I don't know. Christina. Um, it, is, it is very cool. And let me tell you why it's cool. Um, it, it's like what's said in the video. It's a community center where um, they offer after-school programming, or programs, excuse me, uh, for ages, uh, I'm sorry, preschool through high school. Um, you know, me and Will were in there shooting the video, and there's a bunch of young kids um, just learning computer. Um, there's another herd of kids waiting to use the gymnasium as we were um, just shooting a video. And so we look um, forward to being able to not just occupy that space, to, but to make an investment and an impact within the community. I do believe that Hilltop Church could be used to make a significant um, deposit not just even spiritually, I'm talking financially, I'm talking just our presence alone. I think that there is an opportunity um, here that's more than just a big space, but it's a, it's, it's a big God who loves people and is, I think, setting us up to love as God loves. And um, I'm, I'm geeked. If you don't know what that means, that means I'm excited. <laughs> I'm thoroughly excited um, for this opportunity, and I hope that um, you get as excited as I am. Anyways, uh, without further ado, let's turn to John chapter 11, the Gospel of John. I heard Kathy did an amazing job. Thank you, Kathy, for making this easy this morning. 
I got to follow you up? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. Um, turn with me to John chapter 12. Uh, if you've been here for uh, the last four or five Sundays, other than last Sunday, um, we've been talking about the gospel, right? Um, we've been kind of just falling right in suit with the narrative of Lent, Lent excuse me, and, and talking about the transformational power that the gospel had on lives, primarily the effect that the ministry of Jesus had on people. And I want to continue that with a story about three siblings. And uh, by the way, happy Palm Sunday, everybody. <laughs> I want to talk about three siblings, Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. Do you know them? Some of you have heard about this story, I'm sure. Well, in John chapter 12, verse 1, it says this, six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man that he, Christ, had raised from the dead. That's remarkable. You just think about that. You know what I love about just the first two verses here is the backstory. Jesus essentially is coming back to a hostile environment. In John 11, verse 57, it says that Jesus fled this particular area after Lazarus was raised from the dead. What might have excited us to see this resurrection of the dead of a man named Lazarus did not excite religious leaders and Pharisees that were trying to plot to kill Jesus. And so Jesus knew this. There was a kind of groundswell of salvation that broke out after Lazarus um, was raised from the dead because of Lazarus' testimony. You know, interestingly enough, these Pharisees, these leaders of the church, didn't just want to kill Jesus at this moment. They wanted to kill Lazarus. I mean, what craziness, right? But the reason I bring it all up is because this is actually, or the story that we're about to read is actually uh, a week before Jesus will be crucified. And I can't help but think that Jesus fully understands what he's going back into. That this is all very intentional with Christ. He's going back into a hostile environment and what does he do? What does he do? He goes to what, what any, any normal person would do that has a bounty on their head. He goes and he throws a house party, right? <laughs> I'm going to throw me a house party. I'm going to fill this place up. Actually, it was thrown for his, or in his honor by these three siblings. And so if you're not familiar with the story, Lazarus, um, just a couple chapters, was ill. And he had leprosy. And he died of that disease. Now, the interesting thing about this story is the, um, the, the language or, or the interest that actually the Gospel of John puts on just how much Jesus actually loved these three people. Isn't that remarkable? I mean, if you just take Jesus, his name out, and you place God there because Jesus was God, you can actually just say, Oh, well, God loved Lazarus, Mary, and Martha. I mean, that's pretty remarkable. God loves these three siblings. They're dear to his heart. Many times in scriptures, he is visiting their home. He's eating with them. He's found with them. Actually, when 
the siblings, the sisters of Lazarus sent word to Jesus about his illness. They said to him, Jesus, Lazarus, the man you love is ill. <laughs> now, a lot of people hit up, hit up Jesus at the time, right? I know I didn't say that right, but they hit Jesus up with asking him to perform miracles all the time. And I don't think there was ever an account where somebody had the confidence and boldness to say, hey, hey, Jesus, you know, Lazarus, that man you love, he's dying. I mean, talk about some, some confidence. Actually, John in verse, uh, I'm cha- sorry, chapter 11, verse five, says this in summary about these three siblings. He says, now Jesus loved Martha and his sister Mary so very much. I mean, just to, just to, you know, this is the word of God. Let's just throw this in here. And Jesus loved. <laughs> I mean, we've talked a lot about the gospel, and we've talked a lot about the, uh, the aspect of the gospel where Jesus' death has provided for us an escape from the wrath of God. But we can't just stop there at God's wrath. We have to talk about God's love. <laughs> Because see, that's the complete picture of what the passion of Christ is all about. It's about you. It's about me. Listen, it's no small thing this morning to be loved by God. I know even to utter or to say those words kind of seems, I know it does to me. I don't know if it does to you, but it's like, it's so overused. It's just the obvious, of course, God's going to love us. But let me just snap us out real quick and say, no, it is an extraordinary, remarkable thing, friends, to be loved by God this morning. Do you feel loved by God this morning? Come on. Well, anyways, it's not my message, but it's a good start. So Jesus is coming back into a a tricky, you know, climate. There's a lot of people that are aiming for him. He's coming back in to um, really danger. And uh, it goes on here in verse 2 to say, a a dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made of nard. Sounds like something from Lord of the Rings, but we won't go any further there. And she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair, the house filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, <laughs> the disciples, the disciple, excuse me, who would soon betray him, would soon betray Jesus. He says this, that perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money be given to the poor. Not that he cared about the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. But Jesus replied, he said, leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. You know, if you could imagine um, with me the... uh, the atmosphere, if you would, around that table that night when they were eating. You know, I'm sure it was buzzing with um, happy conversation. I mean, Lazarus just raised from the dead. He must have been fielding, like, 
you know, questions upon questions. What was it like? You know, you imagine there's just um, this kind of excitement about um, what had just occurred. And um, here comes Mary, and she's busy, right? I know Mary always seems, I don't know if you're used to hearing messages uh, about this particular story in the gospel, but Mary's always kind of like shunned. She's like, oh, yeah, Mary was just busy serving. I don't think it's like that at all. I think Mary was actually doing something very significant. Uh, she was responding to Christ in a very significant, godly way. And so she's busy. Mar- Martha, I'm sorry, not Mary. Martha's scurrying around. She's making sure plates are uh, being scraped and wine bowls are being uh, filled. And, and that, that part of the pirate party is going off without a hinge. And, but Mary is just sitting and quiet to herself, maybe staring at Jesus. I don't know. That's kind of awkward in and of itself, if you ask me, but whatever. Um, and she slips away, right? She slips away, and she goes off and grabs a bowl and this jar of expensive oil. And she comes back, I imagine, with this wooden bowl and this oil in her hand. And she kneels at the feet of Jesus again and places the bowl on, her, uh, a bowl on the floor and undo, uh, uh, you know, takes her hair out of her hairdress and you know, I imagine at that point, um, things might have even got even more awkward and quiet. Like that happy conversation maybe just kind of trickled away and everybody's attention was given. What is this woman doing? I don't know. If you're anything like me, that's, I, would, I would be saying that. I mean, like, I'd probably be like, get this girl away from Jesus. What is she doing? But I imagine that as Mary kneels at the feet of Jesus with these instruments, uh, the conversation quickly just trails away and all eyes are turned upon her. Um, you know, Mary removes the stopper of that jar, right? And she most likely reverently puts Jesus' feet in the bowl and she starts to pour the contents of that oil on his feet. And immediately, the, the room just fills with the fragrance and your mind, like Judas's, goes right to the expense, probably. What is this woman doing? And I'm sure at that moment, the room became wordless. <laughs> All eyes were on this action, and they're confused. And it's funny that Judas was the only one noted in Scripture speaking up, but other disciples had a problem with it also. Actually, Judas's remarks seem logical, don't they? I mean, Jesus is, some of Jesus' hallmark teaching was about giving to the poor. He himself would ask the disciples to empty uh, the money bags if there was any leftovers and give it to the needy. And so everything up until that point in terms of the logic of the room seemed logical. Jesus is moved in a different way. He's not at all put off by Mary's generosity. Jesus wasn't the only one moved, was he? Judas was moved. Judas, Judas was irritated. I want to set up a contrast here between two types of walks, if you would, of faith. You know, I've often wondered to myself, what has ever happened in the church or in Christianity to uh, the type of faith that indulges itself in Christ, that, that, that doesn't 
concern itself with the expense, not necessarily just money, although if that's what it is for you, then let it be there. But in, but in all areas and facets of our life, what happened to the Christianity that fully indulges itself like Mary does in this moment when it comes to Christ? We feel like we've kind of entered in a season of a church where not just hilltop, but the church at large, where we just try to play it safe. And we, you know, there's new buzzwords going on in the church. Balance. Friend, there is nothing balanced about what Mary is doing right now. There is, there is nothing that is of reserve or there is nothing that is balanced or remotely about just taking a year's wage of perfume and pouring on the feet of Jesus. And this is what Judas sees. See, Mary, she sees the pearl of great price. Judas sees a, a puddle of wasted nard. Sounds awkward, but he sees this puddle, just what could have been this, this, this money that could have been uh, given to the poor, just wasted foolishly. You know, I can't help but think when Judas spoke up that his uh, indignant uh, objection shot right through the silence. I could imagine Mary just sinking down. Did I do something wrong? Can you, can you, can you get that image in your, your mind? And how often is that with Christians who want to go further and want to indulge themselves in Christ fully? We tend to just say, oh, no, get back here, brother. Give it. No, 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 I think that this is an indictment against that type of Christianity. The logic here in Judas is not unreasonable. Um, but I imagine that immediately when he spoke these words, the room became tense. You see... Judas viewed Mary's behavior as over-the-top and extravagantly wasteful. But Judas is a thief. He's a money-grabber. He freely takes as he wishes. Right? That's what the, John said in chapter 12, verse 6. He said, he, Judas, said this, not because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. And having charge of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Judas's noble-sounding protest was more than a was no more, excuse me, than a disguise for his greed. See, there's a contrast in treasuring here, right? They both had motives that night. Neither one acted out of stoic duty. Both pursued the treasure they believed would make them the most happy. Again, to Mary, 
Jesus was the priceless pearl. Matthew 13, 45, Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant searching for fine pearls. Mary loves Jesus more than anything, and she spent what was likely the greatest earthly possession to honor him. And and later, Judas, 30 pieces of silver was a fair price for that pearl. Judas's sin was believing that having money would make him happier than having Jesus. What today is our vice? What, what, what today have we allowed this world to lie to us about what's more precious? If I just had that God. <laughs> no, no, no. If I just had a man in my life, God. If I could just get this job, oh, everything would be better, would it? You know, we sing it a lot that only you satisfied, only you, Jesus, can satisfy. Is it really true? Is Christ enough to satisfy us totally and completely? Well, friend, this is a watershed moment, I believe, right here. And Jesus does this with all his disciples. He'll do it with you. He'll do it with me. See, the real tragedy is Judas's miscalculation of what he deems valuable. Today, this morning, what do you deem valuable? Come on. I, we don't have to go any further. I'm sure it's already at the forefront of your mind. But see, friend, in light of the worthiness of God, in light of the worthiness of Jesus, is your misconceived um, you know, thoughts of what is valuable worth it? Listen, when, 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 when the Bible says... You know, or when we sing songs or when we pray prayers that, that, that say, you are worthy of it all. What goes through your mind when you say those things? What goes through your mind when I just speak those things now? Is Jesus really worth it all? To you, to me? Is he precious like he was to Mary where... where she could take this oil and without even thinking about the consequences. Maybe, maybe she needed this money. Maybe, maybe this was her only inheritance. And, and without reserve, without even second guessing, just pouring it out on the feet of Jesus. And considering it gain. When Judas has considered it lost. And the real gain squandered on someone's feet. Do you see the foolishness of this? 26,000 dollars. That's what scholars calculate the U.S. cost of this ointment is. Can you imagine the silliness of just seeing somebody pour that on somebody's feet? Mary doesn't find it funny at all. She doesn't find it wasteful. It's extravagant, yes, but it 
matches, I'm sure, the, <laughs> the love that she had in her heart for Jesus. You know why that love was there? Could you imagine seeing your brother <laughs> being raised from the dead? Oh, I couldn't imagine what I'd do for Jesus if somebody so close to me was touched in such a profound way. See, that's what Mary had before her. I'm sure of it. This man spoke to the grave of Lazarus, said, Lazarus, come forth. And their hearts were broken over the death of their brother. Matter of fact, they thought Jesus was disinterested. That he wasn't going to do anything. Oh, no, 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 no. See, Jesus... Jesus, oh, he was going to do something. He was going to do something big. And he did something big. And you know what? The only fitting response that Mary has is to take what she has of worth and pour it on the feet of Jesus. Listen, you would probably do that and so much more if you saw your brother be raised from the dead. So today, what is it? Pearls or puddles? Is Jesus truly a pearl that you would give anything, anything of yourself to have and to possess? Or do you view people who do that as just wasting their lives? You know, I believe Jesus wants us to waste, wants us to waste our lives. I really do. That speaks right in the face of Americana, doesn't it? You know, go out and get the dream job, get the dream family, get the big house, and yeah, just pursue the American dream. And I think Jesus is shouting, no, waste your life. See, these moments force us to choose what we really believe is gain. Let me say that again. It's stories like these and moments like these where we are forced to take a hard look at what really gain is as believers. Jesus wants us to waste our life like Mary wasted her perfume. For what others might consider a true waste is not true at all in Jesus' eyes, but it's true worship. And you can fill in the blanks with whatever you want. I'm not, you know, going after your money today. It just happens to be the example here of an expensive oil that was poured upon Jesus' feet. But you, you, I, we know what we deem as gain, what we deem as truly valuable in our lives, don't we? We do. I know. I know. I can, I can say about five things that immediately enter my mind that I treasure more than Jesus. I have to even wrestle with the thought that I might, I just have might have been that man screaming, No! <laughs> Don't waste that! Sell it and give it to the poor. I probably would have been that guy. But we've 
learned a valuable lesson within this story. And my question to us this morning is, is are you wasting your life? It preaches to a bewildered world that Christ is gain and the real waste is gaining the world's perfumes, if you would, <laughs> while losing our souls in the process. Right? That's Matthew 16, 26. You see, Mary responded to the precious worth of Christ. Her response to Jesus' worth did not stop with just words or tears, but a very, or a rather costly action. I think the point of this story is is that it's a beautiful thing when the worth of Jesus and the love of his followers match. Let me say that again. I think think the point of this story is it's a beautiful thing when the worth of Jesus and the love of his followers match. When the value of his uh, perfection, our perfections in the intensity of our affections correspond. It's not a beautiful thing, but suicide when they don't, I believe that wholeheartedly. And so, how, how do we get there? How do we We drive in past the smog and the clutter of this world where we're bombarded through social media and movies and music and entertainment with what happiness really looks like or what it looks like to the world. How do we press past the smog and and the clutter of of a, of a false narrative as believers, well, I, I think it starts with us holding nothing um, from Jesus. Meaning, if there is a list today of things that are treasured in your life, in my life, more than Christ, then we should probably take a sincere look at those things. And, and then through this story, snap out of the metrics, so to speak, and, and, and look at what true gain is as Christians. You know, is it really having this, are these possessions, is it really having this money? And again, I'm not against possessions or money, I have both. But the thing is, I want to make sure that those things don't have this. (laughs) That I can like Mary at a moment, drop them, give them, pour them out on the feet of Jesus. See, that's when you know when things have your heart or if they don't. It's when you can like Mary just say, it is nothing. And I think that's a good place to start. And I, I, I'd also like to see us 
do more than just say words and sing songs, but to actually take action. You know, Mary, she took action that night. Actually, some scholars believe that all the siblings pooled together some money to buy this oil with some of their inheritance. This was a planned house party. It was intentional. They wanted to celebrate Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, how much more should we be celebrating Jesus this morning? Come on. How much more that we sit on the other side of a finished work? (laughs) The cross, it is finished. We sit on the other side of the blood-bought saints being to... Uh, being able to confidently enter into the presence of God without shame. Because of what Christ has done, we have the right, because of Christ, to present ourselves before God. How much more should we freely have open hands? <laughs> I'm sorry about yelling. I'm just happy about it. I want to I live this kind of life. I want people who see Daryl Temple to see Mary of Bethany and say, man, that guy poured it out. I I, I never once saw him hold back. I want my kid to see it. I'm not there yet. I want my wife to see it. I want those closest to me to see, not somebody who held on with fingers tight, but somebody who just opened up and said, Jesus, it's yours. Who do you want to be known as this morning? A person who sweated over $26,000 of oil? Or a person who freely just gave, just poured it out on the feet of Jesus? I would rather the latter And that's what I pray our church is. And listen, hey, if you're here today and you're not a believer, become one. (laughs) But this is primarily, I think, a message for us who have been walking with Jesus for some time. You know, time can be a blessing because we can grow in knowledge, but we can also growing many other things that are danger, are dangers. And I want us not to fall into the deception that Judas was under the night Mary poured this oil over the feet of Christ. You know, six days after this account, the intensity of Christ's affections for the church would hang on display. His torn body, something that we're going to reflect upon this Friday, his torn body, (laughs) naked and beaten, to the place where even his family cannot recognize him. Could you imagine that? But like Mary, 
Jesus poured out his life for you and for me. And if you're not a believer here this morning, Jesus poured out his life for you. And he put his life, a a fully perfect man who did no wrong, he laid down his life freely so that we could have life abundantly. You bow your heads with me and pray. Jesus, we thank you for the gift of eternal life. And we thank you for the example of those in the Bible who poured out their lives and poured out all they had, Lord. And God, we ask, Lord, that in some way, Lord, we would reflect in heart and deed the behavior of these people. We pray these things in your name. Amen. I'm going to ask Christian, David, if you would take this table away. Uh, John, if you would grab the um, communion table where I believe the last day of Lent is today. Am I right about that? April 9th. And um, we're going to, well, we've been taking communion throughout um, the whole time of Lent, and we're going to do it again. Um, And we're going to close here. But I want to... um